0: The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink. The TNT Shop has it all at TNTradio.live. The conversation continues Continues. with
1: Dean Mackin on today's News Talk TNT Radio. (laughs) Welcome to the program. Why am I laughing? Because um I saw a movie on the I saw two movies on the weekend to be honest. One that I really wanted to uh watch and that I paid for and the other one I might have accidentally just stumbled into the cinema for half an hour so I could bag the crap out of it, but know what I was talking about. I may have done that or I may have paid, but i they didn't. Uh, so there, w- there is that. We're going to have a pretty big show today. Happy weekend it was terrific. Of course, we'll be talking to Gemma Cooper very, very soon. Tony Wakeham, we're going to be crossing to him because don't forget tomorrow is going to be the first day of the UK I court thing pertaining to one Mr. Julian Assange, and there is no bigger supporter of his that I can think of. Uh, uh, well, not many, uh, by the way, of uh, Tony Wakeham and his relentless efforts outside the Sydney Town Hall steps every. Every Friday, without fail, he's that guy. He really is phenomenal. We're talking to him about that. I hope uh, a bunch of you went to see that premiere yesterday. If you did, give us a call on the number. Call in, get in the online chat. Tell me what you think. And if you went to the uh, Q and A after that, I would love to know how it went, what you thought, all of those things. Of course, the other way you can do that is send me an email, Dean at tntradio.live do that and we'll read that out at some point during the show uh lots to talk about uh by the way we're going to be talking to another fella uh his name is uh johnny h not his real name that's the name that we'll be referring to him as today he's done a half hour documentary and it'll break your heart especially you know if uh about this 16-year-old kid who, within minutes of him doing an interview for a documentary with this kid, the kid's hit by a missile, a Western-supplied Ukrainian missile, and the kid's gone. And, you know, as somebody with a son who's only a few months younger than this young fellow, and this kid was brave, as just unbelievably brave, and was there protecting his girlfriend at the time of his death. And we'll be talking about that documentary to the maker of that, Johnny H, and lots to get through. I'm going to get started on marvel <laughs> disney has done it again they've done it again and I'll save the best parts for last now the movie's called madam web starring Dakota Johnson and Sydney Sweeney who are hear you, you ask i had to google them too i know, i've no idea it rated a whopping 3.8 stars not out of 5 but out of 10 on imdb gets better 14% on the tomato meter on flickster now i'll tell you why that's so significant that's not the audience score that is the journalists, they are the movie critics who gave it that score and they love woke crap. They love it and they talk it up. They give it an extra 40 or 50 points, but they couldn't do that because they must have started off at minus 74 because they got up to a whopping 14% was the rating by by them. Uh, I'll read you some of the reviews. Ke- Kevin Mayer from The Times in the UK, <laughs> it's in its sheer mind-boggling awfulness, it represents the death Of the superhero genre the burning of the superhero genre to the ground and then returning in the middle of the night to piss on the superhero genre's grave or ashes uh he he doesn't hold back i've got a whole bunch of these i'll I'll skip a couple uh robbie collin of the daily telegraph in the uk uh, what an unreservedly hopeless film this is a sort of two-hour explosion (laughs) of of a boringness factory in which the forces of dullness and stupidity combine in new and infinitely perturbing ways. Do I need to go on with the reviews? Wow, this is this is the death. It's got to be the death of Marvel and Disney. It really does. Um, so let's read some more. Now, the character, Madam Web, now she never had a backstory, which means there was no nothing that they had to adhere to. So in 2024, the, the year of woke Hollywood, they just went absolutely, ape, you know what, Because they could, because there was nothing that they had to adhere to. Now, the scenes showing the main characters as superheroes were less than two minutes of the whole movie, and they were dream sequences. So basically, it's a couple of chicks, a a few chicks running around from the token bad guy, who is, of course, of a uh, diverse minority origin, the actor, of course, he can't speak English to the point where they had to dub his voiceover and it looked like one of those old Bruce Lee movies. You know, the, I've got you know that, you remember that? Yeah, it's just absolutely horrific. The main actress, when she was asked what percentage of Marvel films she had, uh, you know, watched prior to making this movie, paused, said 15%, paused a little bit more than said of one of their movies and couldn't really name it when she was asked to do that. They asked her as well, could you name the three main Spider-Man franchises? It's kind of a spin-off of Spider-Man. It's kind of like a female Spider-Man, and she couldn't name any of those. Couldn't even be bothered to go and be inspired by Peter Parker in one of those other terrific, very popular, and very well-to-do movies. That was all way too hard. Now, not only did this open on a long weekend, it was a five-day Valentine's Day long weekend, and the domestic... US (laughs) box office was $25.8 million. Seriously, I could run down the street with my phone, make a documentary, and I'd be surprised if it couldn't make $25.8 million. That's just absolutely ridiculous. It's a record low by the way, a brand-new record low, but uh, probably Disney will outdo themselves at some point. Now, um, what else have we got? I mean, the main gist of the film was just absolutely dreadful. I think the uh, guy from the Telegraph UK said it best, that steer clear of this, the only movie that's coming out that could possibly save... You know, Marvel is Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool three. It's going to be called Deadpool and Wolverine. Uh, obviously, his mate Hugh Jackman is going to be playing Wolverine, and uh, Ryan Reynolds he is the exact opposite of woke. He gets woke, flips it on its head, and goes f you Hollywood. And that is why this movie. I'll predict it. I mean, it could make up to one point five billion, but if that doesn't make over a billion. I don't know what's coming. And again, just for perspective, this one made in its opening weekend $25.8 million domestically. Just absolutely gobsmacked. But this is the bit where it gets better. You're going to love this. Okay. Now, Disney has been slapped with a civil rights complaint because of their over 15%, you know, underrepresented minorities. And there's a whole story on that that we could go on, and I might talk about it tomorrow at length because there's just so much. But Elon Musk is a man who leaked information of that. Elon Musk has gone on to say not only would he be interested after he helps destroy Disney and buys it at fire sale prices uh, and then take over and fix it, but this is the best part I like. Elon Musk is offering <laughs> offering to fund any lawsuits against Disney. So if you have a complaint, if you are one of these poor, you know, middle-aged white Christian men that has absolutely no way of getting anything other than maybe a role sitting at the coffee shop as an extra in the background in any upcoming Disney movie with the exception of possibly Ryan Reynolds being involved, um, he's going to fund that. He's going to fund that. So if you've ever done anything with Disney and you're feeling a wee bit left out, disappointed, disillusioned, then give Elon Musk a call He'll give you a hand. I think that's absolutely phenomenal. And um, no, I didn't pay to see it. Okay. If you've missed your favourite TNT radio show or interview, simply listen or watch it when you want, wherever you want. Uh, just visit the episodes page on the TNT website. Uh, you can go to rumble.com, bitchute.com, or brighton.com We're also on all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean, iHeart and TuneIn. Now, there is absolutely no reason to miss out anything here at tnt
0: there's a lot going on so it's important to stay informed and up to date get ready because here we go at the top 30 minutes past and when it breaks today's news talk radio tnt
1: yes and all those at disney may want to wish upon that star that they used to allude to Uh, jimmy cooper off to see a disney movie anytime soon (laughs)
2: No, 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 no. You're absolutely fine with that one. I'll leave you to go and do your undercover research, shall we call it? That's a polite way of calling it, isn't it? Um, No, I'll leave it all to you, Dean. I feel like I don't need to see anything. In fact, the only thing I would say is because of all the hype, I thought about um, going to see the Barbie movie and I didn't manage to get to see it on the big screen. So I bought the DVD months ago now and it's still languishing unopened on the shelf. But that is a movie I do want to see because there's so much written about it. And I don't think it's Disney, is it? But there was so much controversy and, oh, this is the greatest movie ever and it's all postmodern. And I thought maybe, maybe this is going to have a message. So don't spoil it for me. I know you're not a fan of it, but don't give me any plots or anything like that because I managed to kind of avoid avoid the whole thing. But I am going to try and watch it this week.
1: I actually, I don't hate it because it's more of a a piss take on wokeness, if you will, with a bit of wokeness. This kind of woven in just so, just so the woke people don't realise that it's a mistake. But um, Margot Robbie, Australian, absolutely gorgeous Australian actress. Not only does she star in this, she is part owner and a big part in the production company that made this. And she's down to earth. She's fair to income. She's a Queensland surfers paradise girl, and we're all very proud of her. Here in Australia, I saw her at the AACTA, the Australian Actor Awards, and she's very gracious, very real, very fair Income so much more talented than most of the people who uh, she was, you know, apparently looking up to. But she's just done way better than most other Aussies will ever do. And her career, she's only young, just beginning and uh, a credit to Australia.
2: Well, that's, there we go. That's that's a good endorsement. I'm a big fan of her. I first saw her, like many, in uh, The Wolf of Wall Street, and I thought, wow, she kind of stole the show. Um, and, and, and she's taken on such varied roles since. Uh, and that's and also that film Babylon, That's that had rave reviews. I've not seen yeah. that either. I hardly watch television or films now. I, I hate staring at screens in my spare time. That's not really how I would like to spend my life. But I am going to watch Barbie. I'll, I'll report back to you maybe on Friday. We'll have a bit of fun with the Barbie movie on Friday, see if there's any hidden messages in there, shall we?
1: Well, the other one you can watch is that I, Tonya, where Margot Robbie plays Tonya Harding and, again, another movie by her own production company.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that one. Anyway, 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 start of the week, isn't it? Start of the week. It is. What Uh, do you uh, got for us? Well, obviously, it's a big week in the UK for Assange. Uh, with TNT will be uh, at, live at the High Court tomorrow and uh, Wednesday. So, yeah, lots to say this week about free speech and where it goes from here because it does have implications for all of us. But a story I'm bringing this morning is, is just another legacy of the COVID years, the Demic years, and it's a horrible legacy. We talk about the legacy and the impact on the NHS quite a lot here on TNT, especially the UK shows, um, but this is the justice system, and it's uh, figures out this morning that say that victims are now waiting up to five years, five years, for their case to even come to court because of the huge backlog that's been caused uh, since 2020 by the closure of the court system, especially the Crown Court system. Uh, it means that uh, uh, many prisoners have been in on remand, which means they're just in prison waiting for their cases to come to court. Some prisoners have been on remand for three years, just waiting, languishing in a jail cell. Sixteen uh, percent of the prison population, uh, that, that that's what that accounts for now, where you know, you've been arrested, you've been charged, you're waiting for the case to come. But but because of the backlog of 66,000 cases, it means that 16% of the prison population are just awaiting trial. And because Gemma, of this huge, can I just quickly yeah.
1: say one thing with that? There is absolutely no excuse for that. They could have done that electronically like people do radio and TV these days. They could have all done that via Zoom meetings or whatever. It was absolutely... How many of those people could possibly be innocent and they've been sitting in jail languishing there for years? That's just absolutely horrific.
2: That's the entire point and it's, it's deterring people from being, bringing cases to court because of the, of the delays. Your life is effectively on hold. There's one case study here of a rape victim who's waiting five and a half years for the case to come to trial because of being postponed right at the start of the scandemic. Uh, and it's basically the justice system is saying, you know, people are just unlikely to bring cases to court because they don't want to wait. It's not worth the hassle. Um, last year, we talked about this as well on TNT, is that the justice secretary was forced to say to courts, look, we'll abandon prison sentences if you're giving sentences of a year or less. Well, we'll give them other other, other ways of paying for that crime. And also, um, prisoners were being released early last year, some of them violent, murderers and rapists were coming towards the end of their sentences, and they were saying, well, just let them out early to make space for all these people that we need to put in because of the backlog of the court closures from 2020 onwards. So it is a scandal in this country, of course, all funded by the taxpayer and all caused, of course, by what happened in 2020, the COVID, the scandemic, the pandemic, however you want to call it. This is the knock-on effect, not just to the economy, not just to the NHS here in the UK, but to the prison system. And it has led to, as I say, violent criminals being let out early to make space for people who may not even have committed a crime, as you rightly say, Dean, at languishing in the jail system. And if you're an innocent person and you've never done anything wrong before, you just happen to be in there, what that will then do to you when you're when you're released. The other thing, of course, is prisoners who eventually come to face the courts have served so long in prison already on remand, they get released maybe on the day and there's no backup and a lot of them have lost their homes in that time and there's no backup from the police or the probation services because they've already served effectively their time in advance. So that's the picture here in the UK on a Monday morning, yet another horrific legacy of the scandemic.
1: And Gemma, wouldn't it be terrific if all these violent uh, criminals that have been released early, if we had a law that said they will be released, they will be at some sort of halfway house located within three square kilometres of the magistrate or judge who let them out early. I think that would be terrific. That's where they should all be.
2: Well, that is a form of restorative justice, isn't it? Yeah. That's, you know, if you're going to make these decisions, then, then maybe you could suffer the knock-on effects of what, you know, the direct results of the of the decisions that are now being made by government and the prison system as a result of what we did to, from 2020 onwards. Yeah. Good plan, Dean. Good plan. Well,
1: if we've, we've got plenty of them. And, of course, the big plan is not to go see any Marvel movies anytime soon to always tune in because Gemma Cooper is across it all and we appreciate you Gemma very very much of course you'll be back with Sonia Paulton in about an hour's time a little bit less and uh, joining me here tomorrow at TNT. TNT's James Freeman. Now at the moment um, the WHO operates in an advisory
3: capacity globally. But all of that will change if amendments to the International Health Regulations go through, combined with the ratification of a new Global Pandemic Accord. Um, It started off being called as a treaty, but they thought that would frighten everyone, Um, so they now called it a Pandemic Accord, but it is an international treaty. And if it goes through, it will give the
0: WHO legal powers over all of its members. James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT.
4: Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're really there. We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize Daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org.
0: If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio,
1: TNT. And welcome back to the program. TNT is a independent global news talk station that does what the others say they do. Uh, TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do here. We crisscrossing the globe all the time, providing credible news and opinion all day. And in the two and a half years that TNT have been around, we've become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time and we must continue to call out the misinformation and the propaganda from mainstream media and their powerful sponsors we are now appealing for our many friends and supporters out there around the world to go to the tntradio.live site and make a small donation if you can to the tnt radio site and uh, while we go about our business seeking the right investors so indeed we can further our mission into the future. If you could do that, that would be absolutely phenomenal. And the other thing, of course, is to spread the word and get more people tuned in to TNT. Uh, my next guest, it's not his real name. The name we're going to call him by today is Johnny H. He's an Aussie. He's an Australian independent journalist. He spent six months in Donetsk in, uh, back in February of 2024, uh, so not that long. He just released a half-hour documentary, which I watched yesterday evening, And uh, as someone who is a father of a 16-year-old boy, I have to admit it was very hard to to, to watch and to hear the story, and a young man, a hero from a heroic city, in fact that is the name, it's Daniel, D-A-N-I-L, a a hero from a heroic city, and a very heroic man indeed that made this documentary. Johnny H, how are you going?
3: Yeah, exactly, it is my real name, uh, just not my full name. Um, uh, Yeah, I'm good, how are you?
1: Mate, thank you very much for coming on the program today, mate. Something, mate, you, uh, just to give people a, a a quick, you know, touch upon this thing, because I don't want to give the whole documentary away because I want people to go and watch the documentary. But basically you interview a, a 16-year-old, the bravest young young man, one of the bravest I've, I've ever encountered, you know, living in, in a city under relentless attack and not concerned for his own safety, you know, a very brave man, it's a way of life for him, and within minutes of you conducting your interview with him, he was sadly struck by a Western-backed rocket, Ukrainian rocket or missile, uh, and passed away.
3: Well, uh, I was in Donetsk for six months, you know, I just came back last week, and uh, I was covering most of the incomings in Donetsk. I mean, uh, whenever I could go there, and this was right in the center of Donetsk. Uh, about five people died instantly, you know, they were just buried under the rubble and thing. And what's happening in Donetsk, when there's any disaster, uh, the kids get on telegram, like 15, 16, 17, they get on telegram and they talk to each other and say, we're needed here, we're needed there. And uh, so they were needed there and they came and they were really needed because you know, actually, the the, the young uh, teenagers, they're very nimble, you know, I mean, when you have to go to the rubble and, you, you know, take the rocks away, take all the things and try and find some survivors, they're actually really good value. And uh, Daniel was one of them, you, you know, and uh, uh, after they did their work and things like this, I, I went and asked him uh, who is willing to talk and uh, most of them didn't want to talk. And he said, yeah, I'll talk uh we talked for about uh, it was a short interview about five minutes uh then there was another another rocket came and uh, the anti-air actually got it uh so we all uh, ran for cover and then we decided to walk away and i just walked away about 50 meters and another rocket fell and uh, it hit daniel but the moment the rocket fell he protected his girlfriend he just jumped on his girlfriend and uh, so she survived you know uh, he actually didn't die on the spot he uh, he took uh, he was in coma for a week before he died now the interesting thing is i didn't even know that daniel died you know like uh, we ran away you know we ran away and then we came back around and uh, there were so many bodies and uh, i made a mistake of uh, speaking english when i was filming and people got really angry they started. Okay, uh, you're a Westernist because of you guys and things like this. So so I just bailed out, you know. And uh, two, three weeks later, in the the main Russian newspaper, there was headlines, family looking for Australian journalists who was the last one to talk with their son. And uh, that's how I actually knew that he died, you know. And the family invited me over and... uh, you know you saw the documentary i, I did interviews with the family i uh, went to his grave on the fourth year day the, the russian also they have a wake after 40 days and i decided it's a story i want to share because it was the first person that i personally talked to that actually died and uh, i wanted to share that story yeah
1: hey uh, full commendation to you uh because when you're talking to these people you didn't hide the fact you know that you come from a country that as a government that has been funding you know giving money for the missiles the very missile possibly that went and hit young that you know daniel uh it's very brave of you to have done that the other thing that is very sad that so many people over there would accuse yourself for example or me if I was to go over there as being complicit in this when we are 1000% against that which our own no, government bro, I mean- is doing
3: they didn't really accuse us it was just the, the fire of the moment you know there were so many dead after this missile and there was so much blood around and just to hear english was too much for some people you yeah. know what i mean I, I mean if i met them later, two hours later they probably would have given me a hug and said thank you but it was just you know sometime in the moment you just have to understand and i i had to, a few times i just had to understand i represent uh i can tell you another story i i uh, i i was always covering civilian affairs You know, I never went and covered the soldiers on the front line, I just covered the civilians on the front line. So once I went to the suburb, and uh, this suburb is about 1500 meters from Ukrainian positions, and uh, I went to the shop and uh, I wanted to talk to the lady that that owned the shop, you know, I mean, the shop was all sandbanked, you know, like it was full of shrapnel. And she said, she, she just said to me, just just, just go away, go away. I don't believe you guys. Every time we've had any Western journalists come here, uh, they just uh, talk to us. And then they said, they say it's Ukrainian suffering, <laughs> you know. And I went away, you know, but I was very new to Donetsk. And then I continued to come a lot to that suburb. You know, everybody started to know me. I started to do a bit of humanitarian work, help help some single mothers in the suburb. So I, about four weeks later, I came to her shop again, and I didn't know what she was going to say. You know, I just came to buy a bottle of water. And she says, it's you. Will you marry me? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it takes time to build the trust, you know, because they've had so many uh, Western journalists from agencies, actually, that just uh, they're just in the footage, but actually they twist the story around. You know, and, uh, you know, they don't really trust us. And and it's not not me or your fault, but I understand why they don't trust us.
1: Yeah, I I think it's terrific that, I mean, as you went there, as they have become aware of you for your humanitarian efforts, uh, of course, subsequently the documentary that you've made, um, you know, you're shedding light on just how we feel as people in America, in Australia, so many of us supporting your, you know, your plight, their plight. And uh, But they wouldn't know that because most of the Western journalists, as you pointed out, are just horrific. They go there, they get a story, they ed- re-edit it, they twist it on its head. It is absolutely horrific. But I've got a short news headline to get to. On the other side, Johnny, I want to find out how you got to be there, what made you make the decision to go over and do what you did. I'd love to find out, and we will right here at TNT after this break. What
0: time is it? now tnt radio news you know what time it is yeah. time to read some news matt
1: boyland here with a quick look at your tnt headlines truck drivers backing former president donald trump are refusing to make deliveries to new york city in protest of the 350 million dollar civil fraud ruling against their ex-commander-in-chief u.s vice president kamala harris has claimed russia is losing the war in ukraine despite moscow claiming a major victory in the donetsk people's republic And while the war may be a tactical issue for NATO, Vladimir Putin says for Russia, it's a matter of life or death.
0: Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT Radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download.
1: Keeping you up to speed on TNT Radio. And we are back with Johnny HMN who has just return from the Ukraine, from the front lines there. Pretty much um, a way of life is just wherever you are, you're under constant attack over there. A good fella. And mate, how dangerous was it? Oh, before we even get onto that, you will have just heard our news headlines. I mean, there's some American politicians again advocating that Russia's going to lose. I don't believe that's even possible that that could happen. And they just tell lie after lie and they're never held to account, are they?
3: Look, uh, Russia is not going to lose, but I'm not going to lie to you. It's a tough battle. You know, like I was in Donetsk for six months, you know. I'm actually going back, you know, soon, but I was in Donetsk for six months, and uh, the that front line didn't move more than 100 meters here or there, you know, like uh, it's just in the last week like uh, I've just talked I, I talked with the people in Donetsk all day uh, just in the last week the finally Avdiivka is it's not fully taken yet but the Ukrainians are retreating from Avdiivka so uh, it's a tough battle yeah Russia is not going to lose but yeah. it's not it's not it's not a cakewalk you know it's a, it's, a, it's 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 a tough battle you
1: know Lots of people were referring to it as the world's first drone war uh, no doubt you heard you probably heard your share of drones Buzzing about the place, of course, that increases not only the suicide drones' ability to kill, but of course the uh, the artillery positions can be reported far more accurately, hence the horrific death toll that we're, we're getting out of that part of the world at the moment. Look,
3: drones are really scary, you know why? Because you never know whose drone it is. <laughs> you, know? yes. you, you actually don't know if it's a friendly drone or it's an enemy drone, especially when you go around the civilian front line. So so both sides have drones in the air. <laughs> you never know whose drone it is. Yeah, yeah, drones are a bit freaky. It's, yeah, it's a new story, drones. So that's why I think the, the some of the front lines are so static because you always know. You always know where their positions are. You always know where it was hit uh yeah it's a tough artillery battle yeah there's no uh i'm not going to try and glorify it i'm not going to try and say it. it's really tough
1: yeah yeah of course you've just came back from there i've heard from others recently the fighting is really ramped up i've also heard that uh, the west could be sending a team of and i will use inverted commas peacekeepers over there to keep an eye on the civilian population freeing up another 50 or 60,000 uh Ukrainians to go out there and fight that war um are you hearing stuff like this while you're over there as well
3: no i didn't hear any stuff like this and i don't think russia will uh, tolerate any western uh, peacekeepers i mean uh, i think russia would look at any western peacekeepers just as any, any combatants i don't i don't think russia will tolerate any western peacekeepers because we all know they're not peacekeepers you know yeah. a, peacekeeper, a peacekeeper is a neutral person
1: yeah i, I agree uh, if, if they do that, I mean, that's could be an escalation to World War III. I, I think it would be a, the worst move ever. But, I mean, have a look. We've got somebody as demented as Joe Biden in the White House. God knows. I mean, anything could happen with somebody like that running the show.
3: Yeah, I mean, we see what's happening in Gaza. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's insane. It's really insane.
1: Yeah, mate, you said you're going back there. Um, let's go back a bit further. Where were you the day you decided, I'm going over there? And initially, was it just to help or was it to make a documentary and then the help came with that? Or just what was the whole sequence of events that led to you being there?
3: Look, it started years ago because I, I went both to Russia and to Ukraine uh, in 2017, 18, 19, both countries. And when I was in Ukraine, I uh, first... Uh, basically was facing this thing called Nazism. I didn't think, I didn't even realize it still exists on the planet, you know? But I saw Nazi marches. Uh, I had people come to me and say, my dream is to go and kill Russians in Donbas. Uh I just saw a nationalism that was really sick nationalism, you know? But the strange thing is that Ukrainians and Russians are all the same, you know? It's like, I, I've never heard anybody speaking Ukrainian when I was in Kiev in 2019. I haven't heard that language. Everybody was speaking Russian. Yeah. So when the SMO started, I, honestly, I I think, look, I started to see all the lies in mainstream media, and I thought, yeah, maybe I should go. I made one attempt to go. I went to Turkey, and I was going to go back, and then I had a personal, uh, a personal accident, and uh, in, in my back, and uh, I couldn't make it. And then uh, it was exactly on my birthday that uh, Daria Dugina was murdered. Uh, you know, Daria Dugina is yeah. uh, Daria Dugina, yeah, the, the daughter of Alexander Alexander Dugin. She was murdered, and I and I vowed to myself that uh, I made a personal vow that I'm I'm going to go to Donetsk before my next birthday. You know, so on uh, the first of August I arrived in Donetsk. You know, and then I didn't know people. I just slipped in. <laughs> I just slipped in, and suddenly I'm there, man. And it's uh, and it all fell into place. People helped me. I, I was basically the only foreign uh, journalist based there. There's a there's a couple of foreigners reporting from there, but they're already Russian citizens. You know, like uh, so. I was already. I'm um, there was only foreigner there. Uh, the people people would stop me on the street, shake my hand, say thank you. Uh, yeah it was really a moving experience you know it, uh, i mean you know it's dangerous it's she- done is shelled every single day uh i'm not gonna lie to you and say that i haven't left with a slight uh, ptsd you know it's like uh you all the time have to watch you have to watch which side of, side of the street you're walking on the shells are coming from the north north northwest so you you always walk on that side of the road because you know shells come in an angle apart from High mars, High mars don't come at an angle. High mars come and then they drop, you know, it's uh, it's a different system altogether. So, uh, yeah, uh, amazing people, amazing experience, uh, amazing humanity there, like very brave people, people with no anger, with no hatred. I mean, anger, yeah, the anger flames up sometimes when they see their dead friends and dead family, but I've asked hundreds of people on camera, I mean, how do you see the story resolved? And none of them say, ah, we need to destroy Ukraine. Uh, We need to capture all of Ukraine. Nothing like that. You just said we need to sit and talk.
1: That's the most. Sorry, I've I've got to ask, you know, as an Australian going over to a country where you are imminent, you know, you could die at any time. I mean, there there is that imminent threat all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. Did you get used to it at all or does anybody? And if so, even to a point, how long did it take before you acclimatized to that kind of scenario, if you will? Uh, You don't get
3: used to it. Nobody gets used to it. You just learn to live with it. Uh, On the contrary, you don't acclimatize. Uh, The longer you are under it, you sometimes get more nervous because the more lucky escapes you have, it's like you start to think, okay. I mean, how many cat lives do I have? You know, so, no, I don't think anybody gets used to it. People have been under it for 10 years. Uh, I don't think. Yeah, they learn to live with it. They're very brave but getting used to it mate you don't get used to something like this it's like uh i mean i i've met people who you know their kids haven't seen you know it's like if you talk to a teenager like a 16 year old so they've been under war since they're six they don't remember a life without war you know so so they know how to act they know how to listen to the whistle they know they know when it's incoming or outgoing they know when there's danger but you know, sometimes you don't hear anything, and it just exploded. You know, it's like uh, so. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's something you a, any human being ever gets used to. You know, it's like uh, you just acclimatize and you live with it, but it's no fun. I'm not. I'm not going to play a hero and say, oh, you know, it's a cakewalk." Not at all. There, there's yeah. no fun in it, man. It's like uh, you're always something of your being is like on guard. You know, you're always sort of. Yeah. Uh, and uh yeah i mean when when i came uh, back i i stopped for a couple of days in india on the way because that was the flight i took then the flight to us and uh, there was some fire crack, firecrackers on the street near my hotel and my body st- st- straight away went uh yeah. you know the reaction is to close off you know no, no i'm not gonna play some hero or something like this uh, uh it, it affects you uh I think uh, some of the things I've seen will affect me for a long time. You know, it's uh, I I have a different philosophy, and I don't even know why I have it. I don't film the dead bodies. You know, it's I don't know. A, a lot of the locals push me. They say you gotta film them. You are filling their face, and uh, I don't know. I think it's from the courage stuff and things like this to respect the dead and thing. I, I just I haven't filmed the faces of, of the dead people. You know, but I've seen them. You know? yeah, yeah. I, 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 I witnessed them and I don't know even if it's right or wrong I can't really tell you it's just a personal thing I felt uh, it could change with time but I don't I feel I honour them usually I just go and, and maybe cover cover the face with a piece of cloth or something you know but uh, yeah to tell you that uh, it, it doesn't affect of course it does you know, it's 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 the ugly part of humanity. We, we don't know how to resolve our differences, so we go and kill each other. I mean, it's uh, it's stupid. It doesn't make sense. You know, it's uh,
4: yeah.
1: And Johnny, all of us living in this Western bubble here who have no idea, you know, how life can be in other parts of the world. I mean, this documentary you did was terrific. I mean, the young fellow, Daniel, that you spoke to, I mean, just that moment, you know, where where you ask him, is he afraid? And he was, wasn't afraid. He genuinely wasn't afraid. Here in Western nations, you know, my, my son, who's almost his age, uh, my my wife doesn't want him to ride his push bike to school because he's got to cross a busy road up the road. I mean, it's very different from us when we grew up as kids, and certainly a million miles away from that. Which yeah. was yeah. Danielle. Well, and when all, we
3: when we were sitting in the back of the Ute with me. No
1: <laughs> sometimes on the roof, whatever yeah. it took. It was all fun back in um, the day.
3: I mean, if I'm allowed to, can I share the link to the documentary? Well, or mate, okay,
1: that's exactly what we were going to do. We're just going to close, and of course, I'm not going to get you on here and then not promote your documentary. Please tell everybody how they find it.
3: Uh, it just—I uh, have a YouTube channel. It's called Cafe Revolution nine three nine three, and I have a Telegram channel called Just Cafe Revolution. Uh, it's one word Cafe Velvet vision nine three nine three. I mean, YouTube shadow bans me. It's a bit hard to find, but you do find it eventually. You know, uh, I don't. I don't talk politics on uh, on my uh, on my videos. I just I'm just an eyewitness reporter. Just what I, I see. I, uh,
1: hey, I, uh, I, I I noticed that and it was very refreshing. You know, you didn't seem anti or pro anyone. Just pro life, pro, pro doing the right thing, and pro getting a better outcome. And that's me, how you came across.
3: Mate, I have mates in Ukraine, you know and I mean? I don't hate Ukraine. I don't hate anybody, you know? I mean, yeah. I know people in Ukraine. It's like, uh, and like I said, it's the same people. I mean, everybody, I mean, maybe we, we can, we can chat. This is a very short chat, 20 minutes. I got so many stories, but uh, everybody in Donetsk has relatives on the other side. Yeah. That's hey, how
1: and, it is. And, and, and let's face it, mate, the only bad guys in this whole war are the ones who are, who are advocated for the war, who are pushing the war, who are funding the war, these people Absolutely. in politics around the world. Mate, yes. They are the bad guy. And until people wake up at the ballot box and get and drain the swamp, get rid of all these bastards, mate, and, all, and all I see is hundreds of thousands of great, wonderful people who are now dead, gone, to fight a rich man's war, and God knows what, what else it's Absolutely. about. But, mate, it really is horrific. So, mate, thank you. Thank okay. you, Johnny, for coming on. I no really appreciate it. Okay. And just very quickly, are you intending to do another documentary when you go back or does it uh, no, there to help out? No, no, no. I, I just
3: make, make many videos. The idea of the documentary came when I saw so many stories. I'm, not, I'm making another documentary about a little girl that I half adopted, a one-year-old girl that lives on the front line. So I'm making this documentary now. It should be ready in three weeks and uh yeah when I go back of course I'll make a documentary I'm trying to get back for the Russian elections let's see if it will be uh if that will be possible or not you know it's uh Russian bureaucracy is also a bit of a nightmare so I need to sort, sort my visa and everything like this yeah
1: And uh, I I can have a whole different conversation about some political uh, opponents who recently passed away in jail, that's a whole nother conversation about what happened in Russia recently, but all very interesting. Johnny H, mate, thank you very much for what you do. And uh, when (laughs) you go back there, be safe. Okay, thank you. Okay, we're, we're gonna be back with Tony Wake and we're gonna talk about Julian Assange, what's happening tomorrow and the next day in the UK and how it could affect all of us, not just him. Back after this. Give me a minute. With TNT Radio's
0: Steve Malzberg Well the gals at The View were at it again Specifically Joy Behar Who defended Joe Biden On his memory and his memory issues Before actually asking a legitimate question
4: And by the way Before I continue with this Why would he want to remember the day that his son died? Why? You want to block that out of your head. You want to remember when he he was alive. Wait, hold on. The fact is getting, that fact is getting completely buried. Okay, so he mixed up the names of a couple of people. How big of a problem is this going forward in this election for Biden?
0: And Sonny Hostin took the question and ran with it.
5: I think it's significant, actually. You do And, and, you know, to mix up the president of Egypt with the president of Mexico, because his name sounds like Sisi, that's bizarre are, and... and What are the two names? names? Obrador.
1: CeCe and Obrador. It's not di- super close. Yeah, they're pretty
5: <laughs> different. And the other thing is, what the report said was um, he could not remember when he was the vice president.
0: Wow, looks like Sonny wants Biden out of this race, and she has a plan.
5: There's an off-ramp here, and I think one of the off-ramps that we need to think about is once all of the delegates are, re- are received... The, De- the DNC will be certifying the delegates, right? Um, and the count, and Gavin Newsom can be swapped out if Joe Biden decides to Or another candidate, or it another can candidate. Be done.
0: When the crew on The View is openly talking about Biden dropping out, it's only a matter of time. Thanks for giving me a minute, I'm Steve Malzberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT.
4: Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today.
0: This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk Radio,
1: TNT. Now, last December, Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced for tomorrow and Wednesday at the UK High Court to determine whether he'll have permission to appeal. Now, Uh, or whether he'll be extradited to the United States. Now, the TNT is going to be at the Royal Courts of Justice broadcasting and covering the next couple of days if it goes that long, and uh, we'll be broadcasting from various locations throughout London. And, of course, we were a big part of the the premiere yesterday of The Trust Fall, Julian Assange, and uh, all over the Q&A and panel discussion. So if any of you, of course, did rock up to that over in the UK, uh, send us an email or give us a phone call. Let us know. We'd love to know what you thought. And uh, don't forget, of course, that has now officially opened, so you can go and watch that particular documentary. And I would strongly suggest that you go and do that. Now, Tony Wakeham has been a supporter for years of Julian Assange, but next level supporter. who not just by himself, but he's got other supporters as well who join at the Sydney Town Hall Steps every Friday to raise awareness of Julian's plight. He's a fantastic fellow, and we're going to discuss the implications of what's happening over the next couple of days. Tony Wakeham, how are you?
5: I'm very good, thanks, Dean, Um, and thank you for having me again.
1: Being as strong a supporter as you are, I think it would be fair to say you're probably pretty bloody nervous as well.
5: No. Constantly.
1: But look, I think we're winning.
5: You know, I can see movement in a forward direction. So my hope, you know, my optimism is being raised.
1: Well, mate, certainly in the reason that you are feeling more optimistic is because people such as yourself all around the world have gone next level when it comes to spreading the word about Julian Assange. Because if you were only to hear the take of the mainstream media, whilst it hasn't all been negative, they do like to put their spin on it. Their spin is usually more of a taint than a spin, and of course, uh, the people just all around the world are massive supporters of Julian Assange. Even in some of the mainstream political parties, he has far more support than they would have us believe. Hence, I can't believe that he's he's still facing all of this. I thought it would have been over and done with years ago.
5: Well, didn't we all? Uh, but look, there's good news. The Australian Parliament has voted uh, overwhelmingly in favour of speaking up on his behalf, and they are the first western hemisphere government to do so so hallelujah you know they finally it's taken them 13 years but our government's finally stepped up to the plate
1: it's certainly been a long time coming far too long to uh, grow a set if you will but they finally have um and you know i'll, I'll give uh, you know albo and co any kind of uh, support where i can uh but it's rarely deserved but in this occasion they have finally come to the party
5: yes Look, I was at Martin Place this morning handing out uh, brochures at 7.30 and a woman smiled and came up to me and said, gee, you've really got the politicians scared now, haven't you? (laughs) Yes. That that captures where we're at.
1: Yeah, mate, I know. I know how busy you are with this new um, documentary that's only just premiered yesterday. Have you had a chance to go and see it or did you get some sort of, I would have thought you being who you are and how much help you've been, you would have been given some sort of personal advanced screening, I would have hoped. Well,
5: not, not quite, Dean, but um, it was on at the down in Wollongong um, last Thursday, a special screening at the Warrigong Wong Gala Twin which is this lovely theatre that also showed the um, Ithaca documentary too. Um, Strangely, there's a huge support network for Julian in in the Illawarra. They're very strong supporters, including um, the owners of this particular cinema. It's a little family-run cinema, Um, so I'd like to give them a plug. They they showed it last Thursday, so I had a... There were only seven of us in the theatre, I might add, but... um, It wasn't um, widely enough um, advertised, unfortunately, Uh, but I managed to scrape a couple of people together, and we went to see it, and it's fabulous. I must recommend it to everybody. It it sums the whole sorted affair up in a two-hour long, beautifully crafted documentary.
1: Well, mate, one thing that we learned recently is if we advocate for something long and hard enough, if we talk it up long enough, like the Jim Caviezel movie that was, uh, I didn't even realise until uh, a fair way through that Mel Gibson was part of one of the producers. And as a result, not only did that movie get into cinemas around the world, mainstream cinemas, of course, it was actually one of the more successful movies of of the year. And that one, you know, about child exploitation and whatnot. And, of course, you know, everybody um, is, you know, concerned about that as we are concerned about Julian Assange. So maybe if we get out there and we're vocal enough, we can do, for this documentary, what was done for that?
5: Well, the trust fall is being shown at the event cinema, so it's going to get, uh, you know, mainstream distribution, if you like, in Australia. And I believe the same thing's happening all around the world.
1: You oh, that's know, terrific. I, I didn't know that. That's really good. Yeah.
5: Yeah. No, no, it's it's this one is, is not going to go unnoticed. Um, the trust fall, it's called. Um, I really encourage people to get along to see it. There's a a special screening at the Randwick Ritz for those in Sydney uh, coming up on the 17th of March. So uh, grab a ticket. That'll be an exciting night. Um, The Randwick Ritz is another lovely little cinema in Randwick that shows these sorts of movies. Um, So, yeah, we look forward to that too.
1: Mate, credit where credit is due. Mate, and I'll just take this opportunity to give full credit to, uh, to to Mike Mike and Jenny running the show here at TNT because, I mean, they've gone so far out on a limb to help promote this, not just here, but of course around the world on TNT and with the, the London premiere and whatnot, just absolutely um, are all over all the issues that uh, people should be worrying about, uh, and they do here at TNT. Now, Tony... Uh, mate, what have you got planned for the next couple of days? What will you be doing? I'm, I'm guessing you'll be just like you, you know, tuned in, listening to our hopefully our live coverage of the next couple of days.
5: Let me take this opportunity to thank TNT Radio for that live stream that they're going to do. Fantastic, really fantastic. For me, I'm going to be um, at the um, Elizabeth uh, at Martin Place at 7:30 in the morning again. Um, because it's the beginning of what we call Day X. So we're going to start with the crowds pouring out of Martin Place Station outside the old Channel 7 building um, on Elizabeth Street. Um, and then um, on, the, on the Wednesday, the 21st, we're going to be outside the US consulate in North Sydney at 50 Miller Street at midday. Um, and then we're going to finish off the proceeding at 5pm Wednesday um, at our favourite jaunt, a haunt in um, Town Hall on the Town Hall steps um, to finish the two-day hearing.
1: I, I'm hoping at the end of that two days that you'll be uh, opening a couple of bottles of champagne. I would hope that that would be the, the outcome. Mate, have you heard anything through back channels as to, I mean, how the Assange's themselves, you know, Julian, Stella and co, um, how they're coping uh, coming up to this?
5: Well, I, I just saw an interview with um, Stella. She's as nervous as a kitten, because you know the very worst case scenario, which is has a precedent, is that those judges could say at the end of that hearing, we're not going to hear it, and they could put him straight on an aeroplane. So you know wow. he could just—that's the—that's the absolute worst case scenario, um, but that's a possibility. That is a possibility, so, you know, I mean, of course Stella's gonna be, and you know, she won't see him again if that happens. Um, So she's understandably distraught. You know, she's not in a a good state. But look, what I believe will happen is what's been happening for 13 years, and that will be that they'll hear the arguments, to um, to decide whether they're going to grant leave to hear the full appeal um, and they won't make a decision um, on Wednesday. We won't hear from them for six or nine or more months at which time they'll give us a uh, whether they'll hear it or not and my guess is they'll say they'll hear it But again, they won't set a date. We'll wait another six or nine or 12 months before they'll say, okay, we'll hear it in another six or nine or 12 months. So, you know, this could go on for 24 months or more. You know, it could be 2026 before, you know, there could be two more years of solitary confinement, maximum security isolation for Julian ahead before he even gets to be heard. That's it. It's really like heard.
1: some sort of dystopian nightmare. And at the, you know, risk of being the devil's advocate, mate. We're living in a world where they're letting rapists and killers back out on the street because apparently they don't have enough room in the jails. And here are people who not only do not do a bad thing, but do exactly as I would advocate our politicians should be doing, and telling us, the public, those who they represent, those who pay their wages. Um, mate, they're the ones that should should have been telling us, or he's doing their job, and not only is he not getting paid, he's being punished, and some of the worst penalties I've ever seen, you know, those people who, who were in, involved in, in the, the Capitol building you know, in incident, who did nothing other than walk in, being laid out the red carpet and led throughout the, the building, some of them spending decades in jail, them calling it an insurrection. Anything that is for the people, anything that advocates for truth, for justice these days, it seems to be the only things that get a, a harsh penalty.
5: Look, I think that woman on at Martin Place Station today hit the nail on the head. The politicians are scared of us, and that's why they're doing these outrageous things. This is a battle of wills. This is the people versus the corrupt political, judicial media landscape. And we outnumber them a million to one. They're scared. You want to believe they're scared. And that's why they're behaving so badly.
1: And so they should be, but And people need to take note, I mean, and have a look at the differences, let's say, between, and I know I'm drawing a long bow here, but I mean, have a look at the difference with the medical system here, where we didn't get enough people uh, in the healthcare system who didn't want to get vaccinated, for example, yet over in England, they had enough people and they didn't have to. Totally different outcomes for those healthcare systems. Uh, We've got the farmers, it kicked off over there in Germany, it's now spread all the way to the UK, and God knows it may spread internationally uh, very soon to other continents, and I would pray that is the case. And they are bowing down to the pressure, to the power of the people, and, of course, the mainstream media ignoring this, not reporting on it, because they don't want people to realise the power that they have.
5: The mainstream media partners in crime.
1: Oh, yes. They're criminals too.
5: As Julian said, there's a death count for every mainstream you know, they've supported all these wars and all these millions of people. So they've got a death count. per. They're part of the war criminal network because they're the ones that are keeping these wars going. They, they, in fact, they're some of the most culpable of
1: all. I, I couldn't getting... agree more, Tony. And let's go one step further. The war in the Ukraine couldn't be happening now. Um, you know, the whole last four years would have been very, very different had the media done their job, reported, given people different aspects, different views, uh, allowed them to hear from everybody that had a different opinion. And then we could have, as a society, as a global world, made up for, uh, made up our own minds and advocated for that which we wanted, not with, for that which was foisted upon us. Mate, we could learn a lot through people power but of course mate as long as we got people like julian Assange standing strong standing tall and especially for as long as he has mate, i think um he he will be the one of the people that will lead us to that point and i think we're getting there slowly but surely the only question is will we get there before it's too late but again mate with people such as yourself out there as well helping raise awareness uh i think we're on the right track tony Wakeham, you are an absolute legend and, uh, mate, I, I just, well, I'm wishing everyone in, involved, but especially, you know, you and the Assange, just, uh, you know, a big high five and a, and a big, uh, you know, a prayer and a hope for the next couple of days.
5: Thank you, Dean. I really appreciate that.
1: Thank you, Tony. And of course, people, if you're out there on the streets of Sydney, you see Tony about the place, go up, say good day and uh, maybe even give him a hand. Uh, Sonia Poulton coming up right after the break here at TNT. I'll catch you all tomorrow. Have a great day.